Friends, welcome to the Small Business Matters podcast. It is the only podcast that truly matters to small business. My name is Tim Fulton. I'm the founder and chief evangelist for Small Business Matters, and I'm your host for this evening's podcast. I'm joined by my co-host and the director of marketing for Small Business Matters, Taylor Fulton. Taylor, good evening. Good evening. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I am so excited about our guest tonight. I know you've heard me talk about Bud Carter before and just uh, so excited that he's going to join us tonight. Yes, you have spoken uh, very much of Bud Carter for many years and has been a friend of Small Business Matters. So I'm looking forward to having him on the show. Uh, For our listeners, Bud Carter is, uh, well, first of all, he's a graduate of the University of Missouri. That makes him a a tiger. Taylor, I know that's as a Kansas Jayhawk, that that makes it difficult for you right from the beginning. It does. Chills. Um, Chills. You know, however, on that point, though, Tim, one of the few honors in life I received was being main broadcaster of the year by the School of Journalism at the University of Kansas. And they were aware I was a Missouri Tiger, so (laughs) we do have something in common. Brilliant. That's great. Uh, Taylor, while uh, Bud was at University of Missouri, he was a a disc jockey, and I think that's when he maybe started with an affinity for music. Once out of college, very interesting background. He served as a general manager of a radio station in Peoria, Illinois, and he was also the publisher and editor of the Peoria Press, which was a, a weekly business and political journal. He came to Atlanta, I think I want to say maybe in the early 1980s, and uh, served uh, as the owner and general manager of a corporate outplacement company here in Atlanta. And then maybe most importantly and near and dear to my heart, he was the, the founder of what was then Tech and is now Vistage here in Atlanta, Georgia, was the first chairman here in Atlanta and has been a Vistage chair now, I believe, for over 30 years. So that said, again, I want to welcome our guest this evening, Bud Carter. Welcome to Small Business Matters. Well, thank you, Tim. So let's start with uh, our first question uh, for all of our guests, Bud, is what is it that you do that, that matters to small business? What do you do that's important to small business? I think the, my contribution, however limited it may be, it comes from asking questions. Uh, I've learned over the years that if you ask the right question, people ultimately come up with the right answer. And in dealing with small businesses and the question, the uncertainty and the material nature of the marketplace, sometimes you can bring things into focus by asking one or two focused questions. And Bud, you heard the my introduction, and you have such a, a rich history and, and, and biography. Help fill in some of the gaps in terms of how did you get to where you are today? What led up to tech and then Vistage and, and all the way up to today? Fill in some of the gaps in terms of your background. Well, first of all, if I was listening and didn't know better, I think the guy couldn't hold a job. Uh, I got involved with what then tech because of the outplacement company. One of our early clients became the CEO of a firm in Marin County, California, San Diego area, where Vistage Tech at that point had a 10% market share. And when he heard they were going to start expanding and come to Atlanta, he gave them my name and said, you ought to talk to this guy for reasons that I don't understand. And they'd already made a decision, but out of courtesy to him, decided to have an interview. And then, again, for reasons I don't understand, they changed their mind. And I was chosen to be the first chair in Atlanta. 
and I was fortunate being first in the market. There was a lot of uh, need and started with two groups and have had those two groups since June 1987. Very fortunate. So, Bud, tell our listeners a little bit about what your role is as a chair um, and kind of what your your members expect of you. I do, I'll take the last part of that first, Taylor. I, I think my members expect commitment uh, and expect candor. And I hope they don't expect me to have the answers to their issues, but rather expect me to have a concern for their issues and a willingness to help them solve the problems. Uh, a, a good chairman, at least in my perspective, is not a consultant. It's a person who cares about the members' issues, asks a lot of the questions that nobody else will ask because they've got a vested interest in the solution, and follows up and holds them accountable for the things that they, they said they would do. When anyone meets with a member uh, for their one-on-one, which occurs in between the group's monthly meetings, uh, those sessions are in confidence. And it's the only time during the month that that CEO sits down with anyone who doesn't have a vested interest in the answers that he or she gives to the questions being posed. My only interest in being in the room is my member's best interest, and they know that. And they know that I care about them and their success. And uh, sometimes uh, those things spill off into family matters as well. So it covers a wide spectrum. It's her, someone once said uh, it's a Jiminy Cricket for the CEOs. Someone uh, once said a good chair is a nudge, a Yiddish term for someone who keeps poking and prodding and uh, doesn't let go. But it's 30 years as a Vistage chair. I'm curious, as you think back and, and working with CEOs of all different types of businesses, uh, large and small, how would you describe how has that role of the CEO changed from when you first became a chair to what you see in your members today? What differences do you see in your CEOs today? When we first started in Atlanta in 87, out of my 24, 26 original members, there may have been as many as two or three that did any business outside continental United States. Today, out of 33 members, probably 30 of them either buy something, sell something, manufacture abroad, whatever it is, but they are, we have become an international marketplace. And that has been a major difference because that redefines the CEO's role. Uh, When you manufacture in one country, sell in another, or one state and others, you have all the different rules and regulations, all the different cultures. That, I think, is the real change. And the other thing is the word culture. I think that CEOs today have a greater appreciation for the necessity of having a positive culture in the workplace if they're going to succeed in business. The days of do it because I tell you to do it, do it if you want to keep your job, I think are long past. And now it's a workplace where there's some flexibility for people who have unusual needs. There's a workplace where people are nurtured and developed and promoted and recognized for their accomplishment. And I'm not sure that those qualities, those things were prevalent 30 years ago. I know they weren't. And I think also uh, one of my first members was a pencil lead manufacturer. It had a huge warehouse with enough pencil lead uh, for all of South U.S. and South America. And now today it's technology companies that, that draw most of the attention in groups. So the, the product and services have changed and certainly the way of going about business and managing and leading the workforce have changed. 
But I think it's safe to say that that business and especially small business today has become increasingly complex and the CEO and, and the entrepreneur wears so many different hats. What are some of the typical mistakes or challenges that you see CEOs and upper management make? I think that you're right. Uh, it, business is infinitely more complex, more demanding, and changes uh, almost, you know, the proverbial on a dime. I mean, it is amazing how the economic climate can change from one day to the next, as we're experiencing now with tariffs and, and the uh, trade war. And I think also entrepreneurs today, perhaps because of the, the element of change, are more informed. It used to be, I think, that uh, people went into business because they had a product or an idea they came up with. Now I think there's probably a lot of people who still have that idea of a good product or service, but an equal number who come up with a new or better way to do something that already exists or something that's already being done. The other part of it, I think, also is it is far more expensive, even on a proportionate basis, uh, for small business to operate today than it used to be. And you have to be more knowledgeable, more sophisticated when it comes to financing your business, uh, planning and growing the business, and making sure you have the resources to do so. We've all known uh, small businesses who literally grew themselves out of cash. And I think, I'd like to believe that the percentage or the number of those doing that today is lessened because of the education uh, that we've all received as a necessity of proper finance for a business. So on the flip side, what would you say CEOs are doing better or that as a whole um, has improved in terms of running a small business? That's a great question. I suspect that they are coming into the game a, a lot better educated or informed or perhaps gain that education or necessary information before making the investment. Because the marketplace is so fiercely competitive, because things are changing so quickly, I think people recognize, realize those issues and do a better job of educating themselves, not only what their product or service will be and how they'll manufacture or accomplish it, but also what are the plan Bs that they may need to fall back on if this occurs or that occurs. So I think it is simply one of preparation, better prepared, better informed, better educated. And it would be interesting to find out. My belief is, and maybe it's because of organization like Small Business Matters, that a lesser percentage failed today than 20 years ago uh, when information wasn't so readily available, support groups weren't there, and there weren't organizations like Small Business Matters provide advice and counsel on an ongoing basis. Taylor, Bud is earning lots of points uh, just by mentioning Small Business Matters. I, I, I want to make sure he knows we're appreciative of that. But I look at no, your... It's, it's so, Tim. It, it's so. And I wouldn't say it if it weren't. It, uh, we, we all know and forget very conveniently that it is small businesses that drive the economy and how easy it is to forget that when you pick up the business section of the paper and everything, whether it's the Business Chronicle, the Atlanta Daily, are focused on the huge companies. And that's not where innovation's occurring in the main. And it's not where, it's certainly not where growth is occurring. And yet there's so little attention paid. It's almost criminal. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't agree more. But I look at your career history and, and two things stand out. 
one, it, it appears that you were unable to keep a job for long. I'm sure that's not the case. And, and, and two, the diversity from a radio station to a journalist, a, a publisher, uh, staffing, music. How did all of that contribute to where you are today? Well, I guess all of us, you know, the old Troy thing, we're all the sum total of everything that's happened to us uh, up to the very last minute. And it's impossible to, to ignore that. I mean, even today, when I have a member who comes up with a great idea, a new product or service, uh, one of my thoughts is, you know, how uh, he can get his story told for free in the media or how he can get media coverage or if, you know, when something doesn't go right, uh, what he needs to be thinking about to control the damage uh, in the media. The involved in the outplacement company was a freakish situation. And to this day, I don't know why they hired me, except they were looking for someone with communication skills. And they somehow thought because I could read from a script that I could communicate. But the, the rest of it really pr pretty much follows. Uh, and the, the thing with Vistage, I don't know that I could get hired today because I don't fit the profile. But, boy, there's been no one who's enjoyed it more than I have. And it's been a great gift because I've, I have an opportunity every day to work with bright, colorful people. And, you know, it, that I, also, by the way, chose to work with. And not many people have that luxury. Bud, tell us a little bit about your book. <laughs> this is payback for mentioning small businessmen. <laughs> That's <It> right. <laughs> I'll make it real quick. Back in the newspaper days, it was a newspaper that just raised cane that did a lot of investigative reporting. And on the front page of the paper, I would always find a quote that somehow tied in with the lead story. And when I came to Atlanta and got involved with tech, uh, I noticed myself taking notes from speakers who were addressing my groups. But I would copy down safely and snippets, quotes, the things that people said. And one of the first guys was a fellow by the name of Maurice Mascarenas who said, you, ne you never pick up a paper and read passengers crash airplane. And if you think about that, really a good message for business. Or another of his words, you don't wash a rental car on the weekend. Uh, and it had all these quotes and members. And so I've started putting them up on the walls of the meeting. And then one day a member said, no, I'd like a bunch of these I have for use. And so I printed them up and spiral bound them. And then pretty soon uh, more people asked for them. And, I self-published for a number of years and have 23,000 books in circulation, including one year the parent company bought them as a holiday gift for all their members. And then three years ago, I got a phone call from someone said, had I ever thought about publishing my book in hardcover? And I said, I don't see any need to do that. I don't want to go to the expense. And he said, no, 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 you misunderstand. Have you thought about someone else publishing it in hardcover? I had never even considered it. But they went to the expense, published it in hardcover, put it out in stores and whatever. They were disappointed in sales. It only sold 3,400 copies, which I was amazed at. And now they're redoing the book with a new cover, a new focus geared specifically for airport sales for business travelers. And they're going to come out with a new edition in hardcover in November. And they are convinced that it's going to sell five figures. Yeah. In a million years, I never would have imagined that anything like that could occur with my preoccupation for pithy quotes. It's funny how things evolve. You just don't expect.
Friends, you're listening to the Small Business Matters podcast. It's the only podcast that truly matters to small business. Our guest this evening is is Bud Carter, Vistage Chair, music enthusiast, author, and a, a true renaissance man. But I did some quick math, and I calculated that you have chaired, you've facilitated over a thousand group meetings. Does that sound accurate? You know, I've, I've not done the math. I, what I do know is my members are well aware uh, of uh, my pursuit uh, of uh, the perfect barbecue. And so at least for half of those meetings, if that number's right, we've enjoyed barbecue at least 500 times at uh, district meetings. Mm. Hope your number's right. I'd like to think so. What would you say has been your proudest moment as a Vistage chairman? Wow. You know... Tim, my mind just doesn't work that way. I suspect I take a great deal of pride when a member gets to graduation day that they come in, grown a business, and sold the business and for a good price and provided for themselves and their family from that point forward. That makes you really feel good. I feel good when I find someone who brings value as a speaker to the group that maybe hadn't been on the circuit before or people didn't know about before. And there have been times where I've been able to help uh, as equipped for them as I am with members with uh, deeply personal things. I guess I'm proud when I can help make a difference. That probably is the best way to phrase it. So before we move on to the rapid fire questions, Bud, one last question about your experience at at Tech and and Vistage. What was maybe the most unusual thing that's happened during a a tech or Vistage meeting during your tenure? (laughs) Uh, A few years ago, we had a real heated discussion in the group about starting time. We started 7.45, and one of the members perceived that as being unduly early. I happen to agree with him. And he asked to discuss it, and after a long discussion, we had a vote, and the group held a 7.45 discussion. I assumed that the discussion was over, Next meeting, we start on time. He's not there, and he walks in a minute later in a robe and bunny slippers, sits down, and doesn't say a word. (laughs) (laughs) The place went bananas. (laughs) The only other time that comes close to paralleling that I suspect is I have a member who admitted to the group that he suffered depression, and he was on medicine uh, that ameliorated the situation. There was a meeting we had with a very high-powered speaker on the subject of sales, and the speaker couldn't get 10 words out of his mouth without the member standing up and talking about how what they did with it, how it worked, this, that, the other. It was just very, very difficult. Finally, one of the members looked up at him, and without getting last name, he said, Randy, did you take your medications this morning? And he paused. He said, you know, I wasn't sure whether I did, so when I got ready to leave the house, I took them then. Turned out he'd taken them twice. <laughs> and he was bouncing off the walls for at least one third of the afternoon when they finally breached some sort of evil. But it was a trip and a half. Oh, I, I love that story. But I'm curious, what did you want to be when you were a kid? I wanted to, uh, you know, I fell in love with radio at an early age. And uh, until I found out the world was full of great disc jockeys, I was going to be uh, the next Alan Freed or Johnny Lujak or, you know, the guys who were the, the big ones at the time. So as a kid growing up, 
I wanted to be a, I wanted to be a disc jockey. And then I, as, when I grew up and found out everybody in the world was a disc jockey, and by the way, that was a heck of a way for a grown man to earn a living, uh, then I had to stop and take stock and made a change. So, Bud, now it's time for our rapid-fire questions. You've mentioned uh, at least once now that you're a, a strong barbecue advocate. What is your favorite barbecue restaurant? It depends whether you want pulled pork, ribs, uh, beef brisket, or whatever. I mean, brisket, there is a great place in Marietta called uh, Righteous Barbecue, which just coincidentally devotes part of the profits to different charities, non-sectarian. If you want ribs, there's a little place over in Kirkwood called Anna's, where the grandmother is the pitmaster, the mother works the cash register, and the daughter who's studying nursing is the waitress. Uh, I mean, it, it all depends. There's no one restaurant that's reached perfection on all of its different products. I stay out of the chains and have gone on a couple of barbecue tours in different states where we eat barbecue. This sounds really bizarre. I heard coming out of my mouth where we barbecue twice a day for five and six days and then judge uh, the ones that we think were best. Well, being a proud resident of Kansas City, I can certainly agree with you that it all depends on what uh, you want to eat. Uh, do you have a, a certain plate that is your personal favorite? Uh, you know, you, you talked about Kansas City. Arthur Bryant's is legendary. And there was a time when, from Atlanta, Jimmy Carter was president. He stayed at the plush Muehlbach Hotel and called Arthur Bryant's to get some barbecue. Arthur Bryant, who started as a sharecropper, uh, had this storefront where he still, they family operates out today. And he answered the phone, and the famous line was, Arthur Bryant, don't make no house calls. <laughs> well, you know, if you go into Arthur Bryant's today, there is a picture of Jimmy Carter sitting at the same greasy table the rest of us sit at with Secret Service men at the corners while he eats his barbecue. And when Arthur Bryant passed away, on the front page of the Kansas City Star was an editorial cartoon of a black man of the pearly gates St. Peter saying, Arthur, did you remember to bring the sauce? <laughs> I mean, it is it, like Dreamland in Tuscaloosa. It's one of those legendary places. Very good. Well, I can't disagree with you there. In fact, I may have been to Arthur Bryant's within the past week, and I can attest to, to most good of what you. you just said. So what about yeah. New Orleans? I, I hear that you're a, a big fan of New Orleans uh, and the culture and the, the jazz. What are a couple must-do things while anybody is in New Orleans? You know, it, it used to be you went to New Orleans and you uh, you could hear good New Orleans jazz any place you went, Dixieland jazz. Not so anymore. There's a place called Fritzl's European Jazz Bar, which is the only place in the French Quarter where you can hear good Dixieland jazz. And the musicians are outstanding. There are 23 of them, and they kind of move in and out during the course of the week. With, with groups of four and five, and they are the best that New Orleans has to offer. I, we go to New Orleans three times a year, never go without stopping there, and never go without eating at Pascal's Manelli out in uh, one of the parishes where there's an outrageous waiter by the name of Louie who makes uh, the $10 cab trip out there well worthwhile, and they have what is known as barbecue shrimp, but not barbecue as you and I think of it, the barbecue that's pan-fried in butter and has great dipping sauce with a lot of spices in it. They're, le they're well known for it. They're internationally known for their barbecue shrimp. And if you have the chance, you don't want to miss it. 
And staying on the topic of jazz, do you have a favorite jazz artist? I'm a, a traditionalist, and for me, uh, I'm from Louis Armstrong, Count Basie, Yard Shearing, uh, Jerry Mulligan, Chet Baker School. So if I could only have one CD, it would be of a Count Basie uh, performance. To me, uh, jazz is, I believe, America's only true original art form. And it takes so many shapes and gone so many different directions uh, that it's just wondrous and a joy to sit back and listen. Uh, I keep, uh, I'm one of three people in America who still have a CD player in their car. And in between meetings, I make my own CDs and listen to whatever the mood is for the day, whether it's George hearing Lullaby at Birdland or Count Basie doing uh, April in Paris. Uh, the music is there and finding new artists uh, is, is a lot of fun. Bud, we're, we're coming up on spring, hopefully here, knock on wood, and baseball is right around the corner. Do you have any predictions for the 2019 Atlanta Braves? I wish they would do something. They talk about all this money we've got saved, and they haven't spent any of it, and it's not like we don't have needs. A starting pitcher would be nice, maybe two of them. Uh, some help in the bullpen would be good. Another bad off the bench. Spend the money. They are making a fortune with the battery. Uh, and the home office talked about what a great investment it's been. You, got, you have to spend to be competitive. And the other teams in the Eastern Division, the National League, have all bettered their teams substantially. Washington, Philadelphia is just, what they've done is just amazing. And, you know, they still may end up with Bryce Har- with Harper. Uh, the Mets have improved. Washington, substantial improvement. And we've done nothing with the exception of add a couple people. Brian McCann, great catcher, but he's 35, batted 216 last year. And I'm not sure that he, rather than Suzuki, is an addition. And we have a third baseman who used to be an all-star, but it's been a couple of years since he's really performed, and we're hoping he will. So... Uh, hope is not a strategy. Bud, how many years a season ticket holder? Uh, since 88. My God, that's 30 years. Yeah. Whoa. Mm. They should so, send a car by to bring me to the game. I would be doing our, our listeners a disfavor if I didn't finish with this question. I've talked to a number of your members, Bud, and, and they see you as an, an, as a hero and, and your efforts as a chair as heroic. Who is your hero? Harry Truman. Uh, Harry Truman is just a classic example who someone uh, came, I mean, this is a haberdasher, and not a very good one. They had a failed business, ended up in politics because he happened to know somebody with a Pendergast machine in Kansas City and ended up as president of our country with the untimely death of uh, one of the great presidents. And look how he grew and the decisions he had to make. And it's deep inside all of us, and he was able to reach inside and grow, and history, when he left, he was not, his efforts were not appreciated, and today, he's generally recognized as one of our best presidents. Now, he, he and Louis Armstrong, two examples of people started, Louis Armstrong started in a weights home, and two people who accomplished great things through perseverance and a demand for excellence. That's a, that's a great choice. But if one of our listeners would like to acquire a copy of your book, how would they go about that? It's available on Amazon. Uh, 
Thank you for the plug, Ben. You're welcome. Taylor, I can't believe how fast our time has gone with, with Bud. I've got a whole page of questions here, but we've got to come to a close. And, and I know Bud has things to, to get to as well. Bud Carter, it's been a pleasure having you as a guest on the Small Business Matters podcast. Thank you for being with us this evening. And thank you for the work that you do, Tim. You make a difference. And I think it's important that you know that. And sometimes uh, people get taken for granted. And I want to make sure that doesn't happen with you and, and the work that you do with Small Business Matters. I've been to your events. I've heard that the people who work with you get testimonial to the value you brought. Well, thank you. You're, you're very kind. Taylor, I know you're a good note taker. What are you taking away from our time with Bud this evening? Oh, way too many things. I, I think I've appreciated kind of the, the diversity in terms of the questions and the, the conversation that we've had from his time with tech and Vistage and the, the challenges and, and new opportunities he's seeing with CEOs and, and business leaders and then just some of the, the, the interesting conversation about barbecue, New Orleans, the Atlanta Braves. Um, it's been a thoroughly enjoyable discussion. Excellent. Well, a couple reminders for our, our listeners before we sign off. Uh, Taylor, if uh, one of our listeners would like to subscribe to the Small Business Matters newsletter, how would they do that? Uh, the easiest way would be to go to our website, smallbusinessmattersonline.com. Uh, and you should see a little pop-up window come up on the homepage, enter your email, and you'll be signed up for our monthly newsletter. You can also email myself at taylor at smallbusinessmattersonline.com, and we will add you to our email database. also want to remind our listeners the Small Business Matters at Lunch uh, event every, every month, the third Monday. We get together for lunch, and we bring in a speaker. I'd like to see each of our guests join us for the next third Monday. Taylor, it's been another great show. Thank you for all of your help. Yep, really enjoyed it and looking forward to our next show in about a week. Great. Well, listeners, thank you for listening to the Small Business Matters podcast. It is the only podcast that truly matters to small business. May each of you continue to pursue all that matters. Good evening. <laughs>